Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Jill Bennett in the chair today. Well, one of the other big stories today is something called conversion therapy and a promise by the federal government to bring in legislation banning the controversial therapy. Justice Minister David Lametti has added another bill to the government's agenda, tabling new amendments to the criminal code to impose that ban. It was, as mentioned, a campaign promise, and it is happening today, proposing to prohibit religious counseling, seeking to change a person's sexual orientation or gender identity. So what does this actually mean? Let's bring in Travis Solway, SFU Health Sciences professor. Uh, Professor, thanks so much for taking some time with us today. Thanks for having me, Jill. Uh, How do you explain or how would you define exactly what conversion therapy is? Yeah, conversion therapy is a wide range of practices, but they all have one thing in common. They start from the idea that a non-heterosexual sexual orientation or a non-cisgender gender identity that is uh, being transgender is unwanted. And then the practices really vary quite widely. In some cases, they include outdated um, and discredited forms of counseling or psychotherapy. Um, in other cases, uh, there can be more extreme measures used like electroshock. And how widespread is the use of this? So uh, based on uh, a number of surveys led by myself and other colleagues across Canada in the last couple of years, we estimate that somewhere between 8 and 12% of LGBTQ Canadians have been exposed at some point in their life. Uh, that translates to over 40,000 Canadians. And when is this happening? Is this people when they're minors, their parents are putting them into this, or is it people that, that aren't making the decision on their own, or, or is it people as adults doing it? It's both. So uh, we are most concerned, and the bill that was introduced today uh, has specific uh, measures focused on minors, and we're mo- we are really concerned that uh, young people who are quite naturally coming to uh, identify as LGBTQ will be exposed to conversion therapy. Um, but we also see that adults go uh, choose to go, um, perhaps because they've struggled throughout adolescence and into early adulthood with their sexual orientation or gender identity, um, and that typically happens if you are unlucky enough to grow up in a place where you don't get the supports um, and the messages that tell you that your sexual orientation and gender identity is wanted. So would this legislation then ban it completely uh, for anybody of any age? So the legislation has um, five different uh, components to it. Um, It does specifically prohibit um, causing a child to go Uh, undergo conversion therapy or uh, sending a child um, across the borders to undergo conversion therapy. Uh, With regard to adults, though, um, it would it would prohibit conversion therapy where someone was was forced to go against their will. So if they were in some other way dependent on another adult Um, and it also prohibits advertising for conversion therapy and financial benefits uh, from conversion therapy. In other words, operating a business um, that uh, that that uh, offers conversion therapy. 
so I guess there could be a scenario, though, where an adult, uh, an adult for whatever reason, and like you mentioned, maybe never got the supports or for whatever reason is seeking out this therapy. Even with this legislation, it sounds, though, if it's being offered somehow, there would still be a scenario or could be a scenario where that person still gets it? Yeah, unfortunately, there's no silver bullet here. We don't think um, even there's not even going to be any one piece of legislation that will completely eradicate eradicate the practices. This is, however, a significant step toward toward curbing the practices. But you're right, we 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 can't assume that this is going to take care of all of the cases where conversion therapy happens. Um, and for that, we need you know more education and more resources available also to adults who are struggling with their sexual orientation or gender identity. Uh, there have already been some moves made in individual cities. I believe Vancouver is one of them, and other cities that have said that the, that practice is not welcome here. Uh, is it something that can be legislated or done on that level as far as a business license, or does it go outside of that? Well, uh, those of us working in this area have said for a long time, we think every level of government has a role to play uh, in stopping these practices. So you're right that municipalities um, are limited to the the particular kinds of um, uh uh, codes and laws that are available at their fingertips. A federal ban will certainly um, have much broader reach geographically, and because they're able to amend the criminal code, um, it will really send a, a very strong message um, to people who are considering conversion therapy, or, or parents, or guardians, or teachers who are compelled to send uh, children to conversion therapy. They'll, they'll really understand that this is completely incompatible with Canadian values. And is it your understanding then, with the, the changes or what's been introduced as far as making it part of the criminal code, who would be the person that then could be facing criminal charges? Would it be the people offering the therapy or would it also include somebody who, say, took somebody in to get the therapy? It, it could be either. So so there there are mechanisms in the law um, for both cases. Um, and, and I think that's, that's important because we know that, um, you know, it, it might be that, um, you know, a, a parent or a, an adult in a position of authority, um, you know, sends the, a child to go to conversion therapy somewhere outside of Canada. So uh, we, we really want to make sure that um, Canadian youth are protected um, wherever um, they end up, uh, you know, being exposed to conversion therapy. So is that a, a bigger battle than I suppose, in that we can have governments and all levels of governments come out and say, this is wrong, we are going to do everything we can in our power to stop this. But if we still have people that think it's okay to take their kids to another country, to take their kids somewhere but that they can get this done, uh, I guess, is that a bigger part of the battle, is educating the people who think that's okay? Yeah, you're absolutely right. We need to, this is one important measure um, that will uh, send a clear message of how and why conversion therapy is problematic and dangerous for Canadian youth. Um, but we do also need to pair that with um, more proactive approaches that include education um, and, and ensuring that both parents and youth have access to services, um, support groups, uh, information that helps them understand that um, positive, uh, fulfilling outcomes are uh, realistic in Canada today for LGBTQ people. Um, but it, but we do need to uh, work on those measures to make sure that those messages and those um, supports are available uh, consistently across the country. And what about if there was a scenario where somebody is an adult and somebody makes the case saying, I've looked at this, it's something I want to try, I should have the right to try it? Yeah, I think in that case, what I would most hope is that that adult has access in equal measure to information that lets them know um, that they could choose 
to live uh, in a lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer identity, um, and that they could find support and happiness. Um, and, and if they have all of that information at their fingertips in equal measure, then I would be happy. Unfortunately, the current situation is that um, people don't have equal access to that information. And whether you have that information depends a lot on where you live, where in Canada you live, and who you're surrounded by. All right. Uh, We will leave it there. Travis, thank you so much for joining us to talk about this important uh, issue. Absolutely. And thanks so much for your time today. Thanks for having me, Jill. All right. Travis Solway is an SFU Health Sciences professor.